Hello and welcome to another episode on Design Radio. Today we have our guest Roman Musatkin who is a product designer and he has worked for so many product based companies in Russia, Europe and US. It's my privilege to have him here to have a conversation about his experience, journey and his perspective about product design. Let's get started. Hello Roman, good morning. Welcome to our show and let's introduce yourself to our audience. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. So my name is Roman Musatkin. I'm originally from Siberia. I do product design. I do it for close to seven years now. And I worked in Russia. I work with companies in the United States. I did mentor on design in many different places, including Iran. And then now I live in Helsinki, Finland for the last three and a half years, designing products myself and also leading a design team. That's really nice to hear. So, when did you really started your first design job and what has encouraged you to pursue your design career? Well, I think I was very lucky to choose it very early. So, I think I started in design and starting receiving first money for design projects when I was 14. Back in school, I started in a school newspaper as a journalist. I thought I would become a journalist and they needed somebody to design the newspaper in Coral Draw. Uh, and I just happened to be this person. And so I learned the tool and then somebody asked me to make business cards for them. And I did that. And then somehow in a year after that, I ended up designing plugins for Google Chrome. I even had a freelance task designing uh, a website for a chain of supermarkets in Kazakhstan. And that was my first big money that I earned being 14. Uh, and I bought myself an iMac. That was my start in, in the design career. And I definitely think that a big push to my career was the fact that on the internet, nobody knows how old you are. So you can start really early and get access to these problems very early. That's really interesting. As you have mentioned about CorelDRAW, earlier like we had CorelDRAW on Photoshop and it's been changing. Now the design scene is very different. There are a lot of tools in the market. And do you see this as a challenge or how do you set yourself to adapt to this kind of changing design dynamics and tools? Yeah, so when I started designing websites, I was using Adobe Photoshop for, for everything. And I think still a big part of my design experience was working in Photoshop and now we use tools like Figma and Sketch that are definitely more advanced. But one thing I noticed is that once you get used to one tool, it becomes very difficult to change and like you become reluctant to change. And so what I personally find very important is even if you have your workflow, you consider efficient in one of the tools, you should continue exploring and trying for a side projects or for personal projects or for a small task at your main job to try something else. So I love Figma. Figma is my number one tool that I use. But at the same time, for some personal projects, I force myself to use Adobe XD or Sketch or something else just to get a hang of like how UI patterns differ, how tools evolve, what features the new tools may have that Figma doesn't have, just because it also makes your experience richer as a designer because you see other ways to solve the same problems. Definitely, that's an interesting approach. So there are a lot of people who wanted to pursue design as their career, though they are from different backgrounds. What would be your one advice for them to kickstart their design career? Well, the number one advice that worked for me was just trying to expose yourself to as many different design problems as possible. So not focusing on just one particular field or one particular industry. And I think that's something that even experienced designers would, would benefit from because when you work in the same company on the same product for many years, you're just used to one particular domain. And, and I think it's beautiful when you can just solve these 
little riddles and challenges in very different fields, like especially the ones where you do not work. So with your, with your main job, I have many software developer friends and when they learn programming, they have these kind of little challenges, little coding challenges that they solve, ranging from five minute challenges to like one hour challenges. And I think something similar is very needed for designers in the beginning of a career, but actually all the time. Thanks, Roman, for the suggestion. So when it comes to design hiring, how do you see people with and without formal design education? This is both a huge advantage and a, and a curse, because when I started, there was just no good product design education. And I think even right now, there are very little places around the world where you can get a proper design education, just because the industry is changing so fast that you get the necessary experience, necessary knowledge much faster than you practice. At the same time, of course, it makes it much more difficult for you as an individual to structure your knowledge and to make sure that you actually have a good foundation of design, where it is so easy to just superficially learn about your patterns or like how to make design systems without seeing the underlying kind of design principles that many designers traditionally learn in school. So I feel that I as an individual, I have to spend twice as much time on my own education as the people who have formal education in order to keep my knowledge structured. Let's talk a little bit about your travel and cultural things. So I've attended one of your presentation where you talked about your travel experience to Iran and I know you are learning Persian language. Could you share a little bit about your interest over Iran, how it started, and what motivates you to learn the language? I went to Iran just by accident because I was lucky to meet an American entrepreneur in Tajikistan where I traveled just because I knew they speak Russian and they were part of the Soviet Union. So I thought, okay, that is so great that I can go to a country so different from Russia and still speak the same language and have zero information lost in translation to have access to this culture without friction. And so this American entrepreneur back in 2015 was so excited about the prospect of the sanctions being lifted from Iran during the Obama's presidency. And he was studying Persian and he was constantly having video calls with different companies in Iran because at that time, and also now, unfortunately, the sanctions were not lifted in the end of the day. But no American company could work in Iran at all because of international sanctions. And so many European companies could. And so he thought that once the sanctions would be lifted, he would be the first person to go there and actually like open visa opportunities for, for American companies. And so he was actually the person who told me for the first time that it is the country you may want to visit, that it is a safe country, that it is a big country, it is a rather developed country, that it is much more interesting than that little and oftentimes negative information that you receive from the media and overall. So the same year, actually just two months after visiting Tajikistan, I went to Iran because I had this idea that, okay, if they're going to lift the sanctions, then you definitely have to see Iran before it happens, because that would be a totally different country after that, which is funny to to look back to it now, because actually nothing changed since 2015. But at that time, I, I really had this urge to go immediately. And I was really impressed with the fact that there's so many talented people in all different areas from design to art to technology to entrepreneurship in Iran because of the social environment, because of economic situation, because of the sanctions are so limited in opportunities. And uh, I felt really, really bad because of that. I felt like in Russia, we, we do complain a lot as well because we feel underprivileged in comparison to European countries or Americans. 
but here I saw someone who is 10, 20 times less privileged than I am. And at the same time, oftentimes so much more talented than I am. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like advocating for these people, like helping these people to, to get better opportunities. And so I just started doing that and I returned back to Russia and I created this website where I was telling about my experience and that was tremendously popular. I had hundreds of people writing to me that it became a window to Iran for them. Also many Iranians who were born abroad and didn't have a chance to go to Iran, they wrote to me and said like, hey, because of the way you capture things, because of the unusual things you pay attention to, because I was exactly taking pictures, you know, of bus stops and, and the trash cans. And through these things, you could show that the environment is actually much more empathetic than you would expect, you know, from that like kind of gloomy country somewhere in the Middle East. And once I started to get this tremendous response, support and interest towards the topic, I, I understood that, yeah, that's, that's something I'd like to go deeper into. And I still do it till this very day. How do you see yourself after a decade? Well, I hope to continue doing that. I feel like design is a powerful tool and you can apply it in so many different ways. So I, I love solving different problems at the companies where I work, but at the same time, I see that there are a lot of many other problems where it is sometimes not possible to make any money, but at the same time, they are the problems worth solving, like the cultural collaboration between the countries like Iran and, and then the international community on my country, Russia, and the international community. And I just hope to use this experience that I got as a designer to learn to solve these problems as well using design as a tool. So do you follow any hobbies and how refreshing it is for you? Yeah, I really like learning languages. My wife is Italian, so we have three languages at home. It is Russian, Italian, and English. Mm -hmm. And then I learned Persian as well. In order to be closer to Iranians, I, I really can feel relating to and, and close to. So that's what occupies a lot of my time. And I think it really does broaden your horizons. I really like the quote, the limit of my language is the limit of my world by Ludwig Wittgenstein, I think. I, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing the name. Wittgenstein, yeah. And that is about the fact that if in Icelandic language we have 50 different words to refer to the wind, they actually do. It means that they actually perceive and feel these 50 different types of wind that we may not even feel because we do not have a way in our vocabulary to describe these things. And when you learn a new language, you, you also learn this new way to feel and new way to perceive the world. And that's why I think it's just a very good hobby to have. So before I close this, I want to ask you for a couple of recommendations. One is about a book you really recommend to others and a documentary as you are a documentary film lover one documentary recommendation for our audience so i have a recommendation for a design book it is really my favorite book of design and something that i return to as a bible or a reference of what kind of designer i'd like to be and that is design for the real world by victor papanek mm -hmm. who is an american designer and a very radical one that just tells about how design can actually solve the problems that are saving lives or improving the quality of life and not just designing chairs that have a little bit of a different shape or not just designing like yet another uh, interior design object but actually solving problems that, that save lives and for me it really is the bible like the direction where i'd like to to go as a designer. As a Persian culture lover, I just have to use this angle to share this recommendations more than any other. My favorite documentary filmmaker is Abbas Kiarastami, and you can just take any of his movies. I think he's extraordinary filmmaker. My favorite is the movie called The Close-Up. Kiarastami is great for 
working with unprofessional actors and for working without a script. So oftentimes he has just an idea of like the direction where he'd like the movie to go, but then everything else is happening by accident. Thank you, Roman. Great to have you here for this exclusive conversation with Design Radio here in Helsinki. It is my pleasure.